0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Evan Michael Ingram, born on September 2nd, 1994, was drafted by the New York Football Giants in 2017 with the 23rd pick in the first round. He looks to make the most out of being in Pat Shermer's offense for his second season and try to make 2019 a breakout season. This is previewing the Giants. David, another player who's from Georgia, which I feel like, how many episodes have we had? Well, have we had four so far? Four, yeah. <clears throat> Three of them have been from Georgia because. It's kind of weird.
1: Lorenzo Carter. Evan Ingram,
0: and Alec Ogletree all have been
1: from Georgia. Now, I, what I find funny about that is we have three guys from Georgia and then one from Wisco. Oh,
0: w- Wisco. Wisco. Uh, that, that was the name of the high school. Uh, what well, was the nickname I, of the high school, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't, even, I can't even pronounce where Kevin Zeitler was from in Wisconsin. I feel like I butchered that, but here we are.
1: I would love to hear him pronounce it, though.
0: We'll, we'll have him on the show. The only question that we're going to ask uh, Kevin Zeitler, hey, how do you pronounce your hometown?
1: He's going to okay. say it, and then we're just going to say it's been great, Kevin. Great having you.
0: Okay, thanks for coming fun. on. Yeah. Goodbye. Let us get back to our show. All right, but anyway, Evan Michael Ingram, he went to Hillgrove High School in Powder Springs, Georgia, which is much easier to pronounce, and his high school team, listen to this, had Kenyon Drake and Bradley Chubb all on the same team. Awesome! A, a fu- awesome! A funny moment actually from the Giants. I, I mentioned the Giants huddle podcast so much because I like getting the glimpse of players from like a different perspective and a different, more personal view. Because I feel like football, you see these guys sixteen times a year, and if your team makes the playoffs, you see them a little bit more. And they're always so like you know. It's I feel like interviews aren't very personal. Whereas baseball, you know, baseball, you really get to know a player because you see them 162 times a year. So I do like to get to know these players personally a little bit. So that's why I listen to that podcast so much. And I listen to it so intently. A funny moment uh, from the from the Giants huddle podcast where Engram was interviewed. He described how everybody on the bus uh, was watching uh, football games. And this was after week 14 where the Giants spanked the Washington Redskins. They were all watching the, uh, the Pats-Dolphins miracle game. Remember that game where they mm-hmm. were passing the ball yeah. back and forth and all that kind of stuff? They, they were actually the – Giants as a team were actually watching that on-the-bus home going back to New Jersey, and they were all reacting to it and it was all pretty cool. And Evan Ingram had like, I know that's, that's my boy. That's my boy. He had like a pretty cool moment. So they're all still pretty close. Um, another personal note, Evan Ingram's sister, Mackenzie was drafted to the WNBA. He uh, he actually calls her the the best athlete in the family, so that's pretty funny. Um, as they were growing up, uh, competition and they were competing with everything and anything, but especially basketball. And Evan never went easy on her. It's probably why she's so good. He would go out to the mailbox uh, when when uh, he was waiting to get like college letters from like uh, NFL from uh, college coaches. And he would go out to the mailbox to look at a college letters, but all he would find for a while is his sister's college letters and offers. So
1: I hate to see that. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be that's really annoying.
0: That sucks. I can imagine that there was probably like a period in his life where he's like, I freaking hate my sister. I actually yeah. hate her. <laughs> I'm working my ass off over here. And she's <laughs> getting <laughs> so she, ironically enough, went to the University of Georgia. Bull You're dogs. kidding. You're, I'm not kidding, but guess what? Evan Ingram, rival SEC school, he decided to go to Ole Miss. Ooh boy! But actually, McKenzie was drafted by the Atlanta Dream. Um, Ingram actually has a pretty dope tattoo of his sister with the uh, while like it's a tattoo of her while she's in like mid 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 jump shot. Mid jump shot. Thank you. Um, and then it was while she was at Georgia, so she's like in a Georgia jersey. It's a pretty dope tat. I'm not usually a fan of tattoos; they usually skeeve me out. But that's pretty dope. Um, another fun fact, this is going to be the last fun fact before we get into Evan Ingram's stats and basic info is that he was actually a more dominant swimmer in high school. He said, in his opinion, because he had big feet, like flippers, Um, uh, he said he was not sure if he lost a race in two years, <laughs> like, like imagine your prototypical high school swimmer and then just picture Evan Ingram in that crowd. Well,
1: that's what I was going to say. I think that's really weird because I've always been under the impression that like, the best swimmers are kind of like petite like they're kind of little mm-hmm. it it may it I always just figured it's easier from like get through the water like that similar to like a jockey like the best jockeys are are little, so that completely shatters my my thought of what made a great swimmer i mean michael Phelps is pretty he's pretty big, I guess that's true yeah Doesn't so, doesn't he eat like six thousand calories every morning or something i I don't know I think that's true i don't, I don't I know. Why, yeah i don't know
0: bleeding swimming here that kind of
1: podcast. wouldn't that just be bleeding water yeah oh that's let's move on <laughs> i feel like every one of these starts a little off the rails
0: well that's the whole that's the whole point it, it wouldn't be us if it didn't start off the rails good point okay stats and basic info i mentioned this on this past week's episode of our regular episode on tuesdays of bleeding blue so if you listen to that you already know what i'm about to say Percentage of snaps played in the slot at Ole Miss his senior year. 73.2% of snaps he played in the slot. Now, I already knew that coming out of college that Evan Ingram was primarily a stand-up wide receiver as opposed to a tight end, which he was drafted as a tight end, and he is a tight end. So I kind of knew that coming out of college, but to see that, that so many of those snaps came out of the slot, I was like, oh, that's very, very unusual. So... His senior year at Ole Miss was the year in which he really solidified himself, averaging six catches a game, over 900 yards, and eight TDs in 11 games. Um, One of the funnier moments that I, I, like you want to talk about an LOL moment. He takes a shot at Ben McAdoo. Now, I know this is is part of maybe, we'll attribute this to the basic info category. (laughs) Engram, Engram said the following, It wasn't that hard to learn the first playbook. It just felt like a lot of vocab. Knowing the plays, the names of the plays, but Coach Shermer's offense is much more in depth and detailed. Zing. Zing. That was a shot. I heard that and I'm like, I have to listen to this three more times to make sure he said what I thought he said.
1: (laughs) So, and, and that gets at something, I mean, we'll get into a lot later in like our analysis, but that's got that's part of my main critique of the way he's been used. And and the difference and and what I think we saw in the first half and second half of the year, we're going to get into it a lot more, a little bit later. But that that quote says kind of says it all for me. So we'll go back to it.
0: And the fact that he's able to make that observation as a second third year player in the NFL. Oh yeah. That well, of...
1: let's be honest. He's what he really wants to say is my playbook at Ole Miss was probably more complicated than Ben McAdoo's playbook. He Zing. just knows he, he knows he can't get away with that. Zing. In 2018, Evan Engram had a
0: 18.1 target percentage from the slot, which was tied 10th among tight ends with a minimum of 70 snaps, so he got more than 70 snaps at the slot because minimum of 70 snaps. In total for 2018, he had 44 catches for 685 yards. Engram is was named by Pro Football Focus as the most improved player from last year in 2017. His overall grade, pro football focus grade, was a 62.2. In 2018, it was a 76.4. His yards run per route in 2017 was 1.46. In 18, it was 1.83. His Now, this is a big one. His wide receiver rating in 2017 was 82.4, and in 2018, it was 115.6. Now, a big part of Evan Ingram's, uh, a big criticism of Evan Ingram is that he drops the ball, right? Huge problem in 2017 with a drop rate of 14.7%. In 2018, I didn't realize how low this number was. It was 6.3%. So that basically is a problem that diminished. In 2017, he had a receiving grade of 65.9. In 2018, he got a 75.9. In 2018, he got a 60.6 run blocking grade, which is plus 12 points from his rookie year. Now, I want to talk about Engram's blocking ability because I feel like he gets a lot of hate in that department. Evan Ingram has made tremendous strides in, in his ability as a pass as a, as a run blocker. He understands his technique. He understands his leverage angles, and he understands what he understands what he needs to do as a blocker with his quickness and explosiveness, with his punch. Because that's what he's really relying on. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the size like some of these other bigger tight ends. So he's relying on his quickness and he's relying on his punch. He's determined to to become a better blocker. And the film shows exactly that. He gives a lot of effort. He is not one of these uh, tight ends, these hybrid tight ends, who is a wide receiver and a tight end, who just doesn't try in the run blocking department, he really does grind. And especially when Rhett Ellison is next to him, they can work very well together in terms of moving to the secondary level in double teams. So I want to give some other pro football focus numbers that splits up Evan Ingram's first half of the season when he was quote unquote in Pat Shermer's doghouse and he was injured. And then the second half of the season where he was a lot stronger. Weeks one through eight, his pro football focus grade was 54.8. Weeks 9 through 17, it was 91.7. That is unheard of. Like, that is such a such a high pro football focus grade. His last four games, he averaged five and a half catches uh, per game and an average of 80 yards. Last year, he had two injuries. He missed five games with knee and hamstring injuries. This year, he's chippy to get out there and stay healthy. And basically, he feels that he has a much better vision for Pat Shermer's offense in terms of knowing concepts and schemes. Uh, and once Engram was healthy, he was more part of the offense. And out of Pat Shermer's doghouse, he was able to show his athleticism and versatility as a football player. So, David, that was a lot of information. I'm sorry. That was a lot of talking. Give me your thoughts on him as we move into our analysis section.
1: I said uh, a few episodes ago now, we. I. I, I think you asked me, who I thought was most likely to be the breakout player. It might've been a social media question, actually. Who's, who's most likely to be, to, to be a breakout player this year? And my answer was Evan Ingram. And I think not only do I believe he is the breakout player, but I also think he's potentially the most important player on the offense. I, I won't say the entire team, on the offense. What these numbers are showing you is a trend. And, and, and football... Moving forward in football is all about trends. And you talk about, Justin, you talk about trends all the time. Yes, I do. You, you love your trends. And you look at 17 to 18, it's, it's night and day in almost all these stats. We're not talking slight improvement. We're talking double-digit improvements in the areas, double-digit percents.
0: Yeah, now, double- now David, I want to say even though 2017 you look at the kind of like the basic statistics of receptions and yards and blah, 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 you look at those basic stats, the advanced analytics of you know what his run blocking grade was, what his wide receiver rating was, what is or not wide receiver, what his receiving rating was. All of those things got tremendously better, even though overall his catches yards were down.
1: Right. Well, and a lot of that has to do with the injuries, right? So, right, so absolutely, the opportunity is not there for him. He's he's. Literally not on the field. When he is on the field, he's making plays.
0: Yeah, and David, 2017, he got 115 targets. 150 targets, and we know Ben McAdoo's offense was absolutely piss poor where it it didn't allow really him to do basically anything. His yards per reception was 11.3, which – I guess I guess it isn't bad, but it you know, in, in last year it was 12.8, so that was almost 13. It's a two-yard difference. And even last year it could be skewed because of the injuries and because he couldn't move as much. But it was so much and especially when you talk about 2017, where you had Odo Beckham Jr. was out for the entire year. You had Sterling Shepard, who was out for a portion of the year with his concussion, I can't see headache problem, not concussion, his headache problems. Yep. So Evan Ingram was basically the only guy. So let's just run five yard curls and then just dump the ball off to Evan Ingram and that's 115 targets right there.
1: Yeah. So, but but also what happens there is you get all the targets, but it all becomes very predictable. It's either you're it's either going to be an it's either going to be a, a seam, it's going to be a seam from the slot, it's going to be a dump off. It you can't get creative and I think that is kind of what Ingram's touching on with the complexity of Pat Shermer's offense versus the McAdoo offense. So. I take all of these stats, and there's plenty more that show Eli Manning is simply better when he throws the ball to Evan Ingram. The, Eli, Eli Manning's completion percentage goes up. Eli Manning's um, QB rating goes up when, it's, when the ball's going to Evan Ingram. And that's been the case for Eli Manning's entire career. Uh, throwing, throwing to a tight end has always been his bread and butter. So, looking at these stats, very simply, you know, I don't want to go too far into our and and an, you know analytic and stat prediction, but very simply, this gives you so much reason for optimism with him, and that's why I believe he is the breakout player this year. So I think he's trending in the right direction, and the Giants are trending in the right direction in terms of how they use him. His blocking is 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 so far improved, and I, you made a really good point, Justin, about when he's with Red Ellison. I love Red Ellison. I think he's very key to the offense because he does something that teams usually don't teams usually don't focus a player on the roster to be what Red Ellison is to this team. And I think that combination of the really st- the the strong blocking tight end and then the more of the receiver threat tight end is a really nice one two punch. And when they work together they can they can make a lot of things happen.
0: We have been extreme proponents on this podcast of 12 personnel, play action pass, establishing the run out of running formations, and then you can expand the playbook so much from there. And basically, if there is one thing that I'm most excited for in this offense for 2019 and a 2019 offense that is without Odell Beckham Jr., it is, us- it is utilizing running Formations and how you can the effectiveness that you can have from passing out of those running formations. When you get Eli going on play action, it's beautiful. His footwork is beautiful. His vision is beautiful. I can't explain why it's so much better when he's out of play action as opposed to a three step, five step drop back. Can't explain it. But when you combine the versatility that is within the two players, Evan Ingram, receiving tight end, Red Ellison, basically, when you throw the ball to him, he catches it. If if there's one thing that Red Ellison, besides him being a blocking tight end, when you throw the ball to him, he catches it. Maybe he's not the best route runner. Maybe he's not the best at breaking tackles. He's not the fastest guy, but he gives you that ability. You know, sure, overpaid. We'll get to his previewing the Giants episode too. But when you combine those two in running formations, and also you look at the film, David, 12 personnel. The way, and particularly look back at the San Francisco game. Look back at that San Francisco 49ers game on Monday Night Football. You see Evan Ingram, you see 12 personnel, and Evan Ingram has his hand out of the ground. Mm-hmm. He's close to the line of scrimmage, but he doesn't have his hand to the ground. You see Red Ellison, and they're on different sides of the ball. It just doesn't have to be where Evan Ingram and Red Ellison both have their hands on the ground. They, and then also they were bringing Sterling Shepard, who is a very good uh, pass blocking receiver as well. They were bringing Sterling Shepard in close to the line of scrimmage and lining right next to Evan Ingram, Red Ellison, or whoever, whoever, whoever. So they can use 12 personnel in multiple, multiple ways and multiple, multiple looks. So that, again, that is why it's just so exciting to have him here and to hopefully have him healthy. We're talking about this with so many other players. I know Cody Latimer is one guy that we were pleading on, please be healthy, please be healthy, please be healthy, because it could just bring so much to the team. Now, David, I want to ask you this, because right now we have a bit of a problem at wide receiver. Good sign that Sterling Shepard was out there yesterday and he was actually catching footballs, which makes me a little nervous, but we can get to that in our regular episode. He's out there. He's running around. Golden Tate has an impending four-game suspension. With the uh, lack, such thin and a lack of depth at wide receiver right now, do, you th- do we think about using Engram more at wide receiver and then having Rhett Ellison as our, you know, as our regular tight end? Because ev- as Evan Engram has shown that he can run out of the slot. And also, obviously, he can also be an outside wide receiver just because of his size. So do you, do you think we should stay status quo and just use him how we've been using him? Or do we need to adjust because we have such thin depth at wide receiver right now?
1: I would tend to say, stick with the status quo. But now for this team, this is very important. For this team, the status quo should be Moving parts, playing different roles. The status quo should not be Evan Ingram is tight end, and he puts his head on the ground every play. He runs a seam. He'll run some level of an option, and you call it a day from there. He should be moving at the line of scrimmage. He should be, he should be going in motion. Every other play, he should be constantly moving around, getting now himself, I, getting himself in plus matchups.
0: Now, I do have to say, Eli Manning is uh, at least with this offense, he does not do good with putting guys in motion. He just doesn't. He doesn't like to do it, or he uses it early in a game, and then he just doesn't stick with it throughout the game. So, I get your point. Maybe that's something they could do with Daniel Jones, but at least for Eli Manning, that's not really getting guys moving like that. Not really something that he utilizes very well. And that's sure. according to Dan Schneier and the Big Blue Banter podcast that I heard that from. That's not just coming out of my ass. So.
1: <laughs> so, I'm never, I'm never a proponent of put, pigeonholing yourself. There's nothing stopping the Giants from saying, you know what, we need a spark. And you randomly come out, come out in a personnel package that has Evan Ingram lined, out, lined up outside. I think that could work. I just don't think we should say the solution at wide receiver, because X, Y, and Z guy are down, is Evan Ingram is going to move, move out to the wide receiver position. I don't think that right. makes any sense. I think it makes more sense... I think he'll he finds more plus matchups when he's lined up closer to line of scrimmage, maybe in the slot now and again. But I also don't think they should line up Saquon Barkley outside. He could be successful. I'm sure he did it last year. At times, he'd be motioned outside. He lines up out, you know, at the top of at the top of the uh, at the top of the field. I just don't think that they should get into a habit of doing that. It works because it's a once every couple of right. drives and it throws the defense off. If you start doing that. It'll it will be handled. And the last thing you want is for a guy like Evan Ingram's most plus characteristics, which is his explosiveness with mixing in with his height with his size. You don't want those things becoming handled. You're better off keeping the defense completely on their heels when it comes to guarding him.
0: Now, there's one thing. You mentioned explosiveness. Now, I'm going to challenge you on that a little bit because one of the reasons why I feel like he doesn't really work at wide receiver, especially a slot receiver, where slot receiver, you want that guy to get off the ball. Get off the ball. Get off the snap. You want, that, you want that to be your quick guy, right? Evan Ingram, his first two steps, especially as a wide receiver, one of the reasons why I don't feel like it fully works for him in the NFL and why he's better suited as a tight end and closer to the line of scrimmage, his first two steps are not... Great. He's not very quick off of the line. When you get to his third and fourth and fifth steps, the speed is there. You know, you look at his forty time, and it's and it's absolutely there. That wide receiver speed is there, but his quickness off the line of scrimmage, that's something where it's lacking. He relies on his second gear speed to get him going. I think not, by yeah,
1: I think by explosiveness. I, I should have made this more clear. I think by explosiveness, what I more meant was the explosive athleticism was the is the you know. He can jump out of the building. He, he, has the, he has the pure speed to run past most defenders that he's matched up with. And I think what I mean is, by, by I should have used a better word than explosiveness. His athleticism gives him so many positive matchups against the guys who are often guarding him. But they only remain plus matchups if he keeps himself in those matchups, if that makes right. any sense. Right. Keep him where he thrives.
0: So using him in new and different ways. You saw it in the Indianapolis game. You saw it in the San Francisco 49ers game also as well. He almost had a rushing touchdown against the Colts. Um, Now, David, you actually did talk about get him moving before the snap. So this is where I'm actually going to agree with you with get him moving before the snap. In terms of utilizing the sweeps and getting him going into that second gear, and and utilizing him out on those sweeps, especially since when you're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. being a gone, that is a guy who we did see would be you know used in those sweeps last year. So I'm actually going to go out. This is a bold take. You ready for this bold take? You ready, ready for hot uh, take? Evan Ingram is going to have a
1: rushing touchdown this year, at least one. I completely support that. And I was going to say exactly what you just said. You you just spent some time talking about how the pure speed is there. It's the explosiveness off the line. You know, understand that. And and there's nothing wrong with saying my player, X player, has a limitation. Let's do everything we can to hide that limitation. Put him in situations that will allow him to thrive. You put him in some kind of emotion and and get him moving before the snap, his effectiveness and ability to be a weapon skyrockets. So I think that makes complete sense. They can use him so creatively. And this is what I said. I was going to go back to that quote. The playbook with Ben McAdoo was simple. It was all about vocab. It was all about purely the X's and O's, knowing the names of the plays, knowing what your pure assignment was on that play, it was it was a boring playbook. A fan, you and I, Justin, going to the games could see that. You could predict plays before they happened.
0: Eleven personnel, eleven personnel, ninety percent of the fucking time.
1: It was ridiculous. Now, we saw last year an offense that really was not very good, but even especially towards the end of the year, got a lot more creative. And with that creativity came a lot more production from Evan Ingram, as Pro Football Focus proves. So, I think with the Enhanced offensive line play, an enhanced running game, and enhanced, I think, Eli Manning. Evan Ingram is going to be – I'll make my own bold take. I'm probably going to get down into the stats now, but i am make my own bold take based on – we'll just go purely eye test. Evan Ingram is going to end this year clearly in a top three or four tight end of the NFL. Wow. It'll be him. It'll be Zach Ertz. It'll be Travis Kelsey, and Gronkowski's out of the league now. He can move up a slot. Um, Kelsey, Ertz, Ingram, and somebody else maybe.
0: Pro football focus would tend to agree with you, and they've been right about a lot of things.
1: Here's the pro football focus. Amen.
0: We talked about his targets in 2017, but Evan Ingram had 64 targets last year in 11 games. Eight games started. Now, in terms of our predictions, we're moving to our towards our prediction section right now. This is so tough because you want to predict his season like he's going to be here for sixteen games, but there's a part of me that knows that he pro- that this probably will not be the case. Um, but so it's we're not we don't predict based off we don't predict for injuries. That's not what we're going to do here. I say Ingram gets ninety targets, which is a lot, and it is, it is a huge jump. 60 catches to 65 catches, which is in between a 66 and 72 percent catch percentage, which is very impressive. At 70 percent, that's where you want to be. Seven out of every ten balls that comes your way, you're catching them. He had six TDs his rookie year. I say in 2019, he also hits six TDs, but seven total TDs, including one rushing touchdown. In terms of yards, this is where Engram is going to take the biggest jump because I think he can average around. 13 yards per catch, which will have him around 850 yards for the season. I think the yards is honestly the most boldest prediction here because in this offense where there is such an emphasis on getting the ball out of the QB's hands, 14 yards per reception is ballsy, but I do have a good feeling that whoever is that quarterback will feel comfortable to take more risks in the second year of this offense, especially if there are wide receiver problems early in the season. We saw it at the end of 2017. Eli will rely on Engram. Which will pad those stats, and that's all I have to say, David. So why don't you uh, say your final thoughts, and
1: then we'll wrap up. I agree with you um, for most of your stats. I think your catch percentage is on the money. I think your touchdowns are on the money. Uh, I think your targets are on the money. I would probably move his yards per catch down, as you you alluded to. You think that number might be high? That's your that's a bold a bold number. I think your yards per catch and overall yards, obviously, will, will be down a little bit. I think – I actually, I, I disagree on touchdowns. I think touchdowns might be a little a little bit higher. I think they are really going to look to him inside the 10- the or 15-yard line. I think he's going to become a real target. I would I, – I have not done the, the numbers on this, but I'm, I'm sure it would be easy enough to figure out. What was Odell Beckham's red zone target percentage? I'm sure it was through the roof. Those targets have to go somewhere. And I think Evan Ingram gets himself in the most positive. um, For Evan Ingram, it is all about positive matchups. And I think Evan Ingram finds himself in more positive matchups than anybody else on the Giants team. And Eli Manning loves throwing to his tight ends in the red zone. And he needs to be able to do that. And I think with this team, he's going to be able to. So I would say his touchdowns will be higher. Um, Overall, I would say though your stats are pretty much on the money. All right, so that is
0: going to wrap up this episode of previewing the Giants. We hope you are enjoying these. These are a lot of fun to do. These are a lot of fun to grind out. So if you enjoy, please think about, please consider leaving a five-star rating on the Apple podcast app because we are grinding through pretty much every single day, giving you episodes up until the start of the 2019 season against Dallas. So everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Keep on bleeding blue and David.
1: All of you beautiful people out there, continue being beautiful.